This is iUniverse Radio, brought to you by iUniverse, the leading book marketing, editorial services, and supported self-publishing company. iUniverse Radio is your opportunity to hear firsthand from authors about their new books. It's an in-depth discussion about the author's passion about the development of his or her story in their own words. It's an inside look into the characters and the plot and how the story all came together. Here is iUniverse Radio with host Steve Jorgensen. The title of the book, It's Your Decision, Parenting the Way God Intended. And the author is Ed Grizzle, and Ed joins us now on iUniverse Radio. Hello, Ed. Hello, Steve. How are you doing? Well, great to have you with us, and you have a great message, one that is desperately needed in this world today. We have to be uh, great parents. It's a lot harder than ever because of all the the onslaught of literal evil, right, in this country and in the world. Well, I wholeheartedly agree with that, Steve. Yes, it's uh, the way it is. It's it's uh, you know it's reality, and and we have to learn to deal with it, especially as parents. And and you've got some great great things you're going to share with us and help us uh, become better parents uh, from your experiences as well as your belief in Jesus Christ. Correct? That is absolutely correct, sir. And uh, they. It goes back to, uh, well, really, as my childhood, and uh, pretty much a specific year, 1946, was when uh, a high school kid that lived next door to us molested us, me, and uh, kind of confused me a lot. And I just started getting off on the bad track because my parents just didn't take the time to care for me, didn't take the time to uh instruct me all they took time for was to be mad at me and all this sort of stuff and uh i was fortunate that uh i had about four people in my life showed me what love was and that helped me along and uh i was 18 i went before a judge and uh he gave me a choice between going to military or prison, and I was blessed there because today they don't do that. The military does not want people like I was, and so that was another big boost. But the biggest boost came when my wife, who I went to high school with, and she was the head of the class, so to speak, and I was at the bottom and what's really kind of strange and funny, none of her friends, and I don't know why she stuck with me because of the type of a person that I was. But uh, she was the one that introduced me to Jesus Christ. And uh, from that day on, things just started getting a whole lot better in my life. And uh, I had to share that uh with others, and which I did in my ministry, It's Your Decision Ministries, working with drug addicts and prostitutes and all kinds of uh, people who were in trouble and so forth. And uh, it was uh, it was a good life, you know, up through all of that stuff. But it was one of the funniest things. I thought I was doing a service, but in reality, 
those 60 some years, because I'm, I'm going to be 72, those 60 years that I worked with all this kind of stuff, I believe that God was preparing me for what I'm sharing in the book and so forth to uh, having lived through all of this messages and things of this nature and with my wonderful wife and my family because I have two kids, a boy and a girl, and uh, they each have their own children, my grandchildren and so forth, and just done a great job. And it was interesting because uh, my wife and I, we sat down, we played a lot of rummy, and four weeks prior to her passing, we sat at the dining room table, and she convinced, I was going to do a video, she convinced me to write the book. Well, there was problems with that and doing it here at the house because uh, since the book was on our lives and all this sort of stuff and things that we'd lived through, I was, wasn't comfortable writing here. So I found one of the best places to write, and uh, it was a place that my wife and I frequented quite often, and that was the Coffee Hound in downtown Bloomington. And so I went down there after she had passed, and I was talking with uh, uh, Steve and April Fritz and the owners and asking if it would be all right if I would, you know, write my book there. And they allowed me to. And it was great because it was great people up there, positive people, which I wanted to be around since I was going to write a book that uh, to hopefully turn things around. And, uh, you know, I... I've seen a lot of things through my life that uh, druggies and so forth and kids getting in serious troubles. And that helped uh, with writing the book because I, I, want, I wanted to see these kids. And, and I, I believe, now I don't know, you know, a lot of people may not. I believe when a child is born, he or she has already got stuff built into their brain and into their heart from God because of the way that they act when they first are born and everything. You know, they know more about what's going on than uh, uh, what most people believe, I think. But that's where the parent thing comes in. Uh, They are expecting and need love, acceptance, and discipline. If they don't get those three things at home, they will go find them someplace. And unfortunately, a lot of our children today are finding it in places that uh, are not good. And they get to the point where I was with my life where I really didn't care one way or the other. And uh, when my dad divorced my mother, I was 13 and I decided, okay, I'll show you. And I went out, committed my first burglary and everything, because like I said, I just didn't care. And uh, it wasn't until people, those four people, showed me love through my life that I suddenly realized, hey, there's a lot better things out there than what I was doing. And I just had to share as best as I could. And uh, that's main purpose for, for the book. Well, you state so well, Ed, about 
God has a plan. Uh, most people either ignore God, ignore the plan, don't want to accept the plan. But if you accept the plan, you finally accepted the plan, right? Absolutely. It changed your life totally. Totally, yes. It made me see that, you know, I mean, life is a beautiful thing. And, uh, you know, you, you see so many people who think that money is the big deal. And, you know, you look at all these people, they got all this big money and everything. And look at what they're doing. They're, you know, getting in trouble and everything. Uh, money, sure, money's good to have, but it's not that big of a deal. It's not that important. You can live within your means. Well, and that's what you also point out. Just because uh, God wants you to be happy and prosperous doesn't necessarily mean financially prosperous. Right. And that's a hard yeah, thing for people. I think, you know, everyone expects, uh, uh, well, not everyone, but a lot, of, a lot of Christians today expect that God is going to give them what they want. You know, that's an unfortunate statement, but a true statement. And... Uh, I see a lot of people that even people that I know who are Christians, uh, and if they don't, if things don't happen the way they want them to, then they say, well, okay, so much for you, God, and move on. But, uh, God expects, He, that's, He's given us choices, you know, and I believe from personal experience and everything else that God wants us to, be happy and follow him, and he will give us what we need, not what we want. But the scriptures are clear on that. He will provide all of our needs for us, you know, food, clothing, shelter, and all these sort of things. And I I found out when I, I went to work for State Farm in uh, 68, and I, my wife pretty much forced me to go take the test. Well, my feelings about myself was, you know, Ed, you're too stupid. You can't do this. But I went up because she asked me to and uh, got the test results. And I found out I wasn't as stupid as I thought, you know, and I had a great career there. But uh, it wasn't. It, it was something that was meant to be, I believe, that this is what, you know, because my wife and I were brought together by God. That we know. Your book covers a lot of different topics. Uh, I'm, I've got your table of contents in front of me. Of course, you <laughs> give your life story and choosing the right lifestyle, choosing the right mate. And then, then you start talking about children's issues, like planning for children. What do children need the most important years in a in a child's life, being completely honest with your children, of course, getting into the realities that children will test us. And then, of course, you also talk about uh, when a child is abused. Uh, how, let's, let's talk a little bit about that, because that is unfortunately an a, uh, epidemic almost, I guess, in the, in the world today, the amount of child abuse. Uh, how do you help a child? Well... You mean as a parent? Right. How do you help a child when they are abused, if they're abused outside the home, like you were? Well, it's 
difficult, but if moms and dads show love for the child, if the child knows that if something happens to him, and, and I referred in there also to the fact if they were offered drugs or something like this, you know, and it's the same thing with abuse. If somebody abuses them, if they can go home, sit down and talk to mom or dad, depending, and feel comfortable with them, knowing that uh, they're going to be loved and going to be helped, this can make a world of difference. But with mine, I kept on with it because I seriously thought, and this sounds crazy maybe, I seriously thought this high school boy, since he molested me, that he loved me, he cared about me. Mm. You know, and so it goes back to the love, acceptance, and discipline that if moms and dads do their job, there's really not a whole lot this child can get involved with outside the home that he or she cannot feel comfortable with mom and dad working with them, helping them to get over it, straightening things up and so forth. You know, and, and I, I found that to be very, very true with a girl that I'm working with now. She, When she was 16, she was bullied out of school. She came so close to killing herself. It wasn't funny. And today, she's uh, she just turned 19 on the 13th of this month. And we get together for suppers and stuff. And she, her father was in prison. I kind of like became her pseudo father. And she's just doing wonderful because I love her. I care about her, and I do not hesitate to discipline her, even though she's 19, you know. Mm-hmm. So, you, also talk, uh, you also talk about the importance of grandparents. Oh, yes. Yes, grandparents can make a world of difference with their uh, grandkids, sons, and granddaughters. And... Uh, I I have a five-year-old granddaughter who just loves to be with me, and we we do things, you know, like we go up to Coffee Hound. She loves going up there and talking to the guy back, roasting beans and stuff. And uh, it just gives them a another side of life besides mom and dad. You know, it's a, a generation back, and you know I've been asked. Uh, by some of my grandkids, you know, well, what did you do when and all that? And just gives them kind of a build-up, if you will, uh, the, that they can be happy and be satisfied to know that they came from good roots. That may sound a little silly, but I, I've seen that uh, so much in my own life. So no matter how bad life gets, uh really the bottom line that you're trying to advocate with all your good advice about raising children is this true relationship with Jesus Christ. Absolutely. Uh, it's the only way. And I've been uh, chewed out for saying this, but I don't care. It's the only way that people can have a true life, true happy life. And that is... Uh, with Jesus Christ. I mean, uh, I can just, you know, cite so many examples of people that, like when I worked with prostitutes and stuff like this, 
that, uh, you know, just ministering to them, visiting with them, talking to them, and finding out they don't want that. They don't want that, you know, and if you show them that uh, what Christ has done for you and so forth, I've seen a lot of um, turn their ways over and been very happy people. But uh, if they stay within the vice thing that they're doing, whether it be drugs, alcohol, or whatever the case may be, then they just keep going down. And uh, that's definitely not good. We've been listening to Ed Grizzle. He's the author of his book, It's Your Decision, Parenting the Way God Intended. Ed, tell us how to get your book. Well, the book can be gotten several different places. Uh, there's, uh, of course, I have a, a website that can be done, which is uh, it's your decision books.org, or it can be bought at Amazon.com, iUniverse, and Barnes and Noble. And uh, I obviously, being the author, recommend the book. Uh, and uh, hopefully, my goal is to see things change, you know, for the better. Well, you're a great example of change for the better. Ed, we appreciate you being with us on iUniverse Radio. Well, I thank you for the opportunity. And I, like I said, I hope people listen and uh, pay attention and maybe make some differences. You're listening to iUniverse Radio. We'll be back right after these messages. Hi, everybody. This is Pete Six of Beatles and Beyond. Why don't we all come together and hear some of the tracks off the latest Beatles release on this radio station. Why don't you look up the schedules on this radio station and join me and Beatles listeners everywhere to hear these latest releases from the Beatles on Beatles and Beyond with Pete Dix. Evermore, people have the means to live, but no meaning to live for. These are the words of Dr. Viktor Frankl, the inspiration for the movie Victor and I. That's V I K T O R and I movie.com. And Talk Sense Radio, The Meaning Connection, with host Mary Similuka and frequent contributor Alexander Vesley. Friday afternoons at 3, 2 Central on Toginet.com. More and more people today are discarding their quest for money, possessions, and things, and are instead beginning a serious quest to find meaning in life. Until now, these discussions were historically in the hands of priests, ministers, and scribes, then to philosophers, psychiatrists, and psychologists. Now, these deep discussions are where they should be, in the hands of individuals, on the air, with you. Talk Sense Radio, The Meaning Connection, with your host, Mary Similuka, and frequent contributor, Alexander Vesley. Friday afternoons at 3, 2 Central, on Toginet.com. Welcome back to iUniverse Radio with host Steve Jorgensen. The title of the book, Tama's Woman, 
And the author is Trish Dudek. And Trish joins us now on iUniverse Radio. Hello, Trish. Good morning, Steve. Great to have you with us. This is uh, quite a story of people who love horse stories are just going to love this. This looks like a movie to me. Um, you say this, uh, Tama's woman shows the real life of early 1800 Native Americans, not the stereotyped Hollywood version. It shows the depth of the culture, the spirituality and daily life. And uh, you've told uh, Tama's woman differently because it's difficult to put down. Uh, it's a good read to chase away daily concerns and stress. Uh, that's what you're hearing, the great feedback you're given. But it's about uh, a horse. It's about uh, Indians and a special person that gets involved with the Indians and in trying to capture this horse. Well, Trish, tell us a little bit about yourself and why you decided to publish your book. Well, I decided that it would be a horse story, the first one, uh, simply because of my life with horses. Um, probably 50 out of my 70 years. And I had promised my husband when I retired that I would take all these lovely notes that I had been putting together for years um, and actually write a book. And I kept my promise. Well, fantastic. And where did you uh, come up with, you know, the character Margaret? Now, who is she patterned after? Uh, is she kind of uh, your alter ego? Oh, I would love to say that, but no, she is not. Uh, one of our young handicapped riders had the same kind of courage that Margaret showed, and I used that courage to create Margaret. Now, tell us about, you just mentioned your handicapped riders. Now, you have this center, this uh, re uh, recreation center. For what purpose? What do you do there? Well, Rivendell is a horseback riding program for the handicapped and their families. Uh, we've been, I've been doing this for 28 years. Fantastic. I, I have a friend who's involved with, with a similar kind of uh place here in texas that uh, helps the handicapped that's a that's a whole discussion in of itself isn't there <laughs> yes that, that could be yeah. and uh i don't think that that's quite what we're no, aiming for this no, morning no we're not but it's wonderful but i would love to chatter about you this. you have uh all this background to help bring this book alive uh tama's woman now tell us about margaret now this main character margaret Margaret is full of courage. She doesn't like the society that she is living in along the East Coast and wants something more, something greater. She hears the call of the mountains, if you will. So she's not a woman who just uh, likes the pretty dresses and tea parties, but... She's got this side of her huh, that she wants to uh, really be an adventurer. And what part does her father play in that? Uh, her father gives in to her. Her father says, all right, there's nothing for even me here in the East. So I will help you fulfill your dream. We'll fill up some pet boats and we're going to go and do the beaver trade. And this will give you your chance to see if you really like the mountains, if that's where you really need to be. 
So they follow the Lewis and Clark Trail? Mm-hmm. Yep, they follow the up the Missouri River. And um, what Margaret doesn't expect is finding, along with as she hears the story of this stallion that has never been caught and becomes excited about it and wants to be the one to catch and tame him, she doesn't anticipate meeting a Blackfoot warrior who has the same dream. So we have this warrior, uh, Nighthawk. Nighthawk. I love the name, Nighthawk. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, and Tama. Now, what does Tama mean? What's the derivation of that word, this horse? Uh, Tama is the Blackfoot word for thunder. So technically, he would be called the thunder horse. Um, And he came uh, to me from... uh, legends that, as a matter of fact, my, my first boyfriend was part Blackfoot, and his grandfather used to tell him all these stories about what what they were like before the whites moved into the West. And I was just always fascinated with the story, and then my life with horses just sort of led me to create this first story using horses and using the legend. And in the process of your research, you also found out that you have Native American heritage? Yes, I discovered that I'm one of uh, a very small minority. I can actually claim (laughs) one-sixteenth Cherokee blood, and the average, I guess, in the United States right at the moment is uh, one-sixty-fourth or less. Hmm. Okay. So I'm I'm a rare creature. A rare creature. Well, you have this... Very uh, exciting adventure. Now, is this is this a children's story? It started off being a children's story. Um, and my late husband kept saying, where are the love scenes? You know, you've got this interest between the uh, Margaret and Nighthawk, but where's the love story? You can't have them doing this without some driving force. And so um, it took it out of the children's category because my editor said, uh, some of those love scenes are a little warm. So it's... it's uh, And we owe that to my late husband. You owe that saying, to him. Uh, you know, uh, you can do better than this. You can do better <laughs> than this. It's got to be a little more involving. Now, this, this horse, Tama, is... Uh, Almost, uh, well, not human, obviously, but he has this this drive to be free, and he has a drive to help other, I mean, he leads other horses, uh, you know, is that his fame? Oh, he is a very selfish animal. The other horses that he leads primarily are his mares. Um the entire herd would be based primarily with the stallion and his mares. Mm-hmm. Uh, he likes his ladies. Likes he his ladies. And... All the other boys. Oh, yes. And so he just has this incredible fame and Tama, I mean, I'm sorry, Margaret and Nighthawk. It's uh, one adventure after another trying to capture him. It certainly is. It goes from... Uh, the adventures that Margaret has alone with her uh, father and the crew that is traveling up the Missouri River 
uh, into all of the interaction with Nighthawk and his mm, evil brother uh, and how everything just keeps changing and moving and going and um, you'll find that in some places I have Margaret going through the mountains alone struggling to get uh, back to Nighthawk and uh, we have bear fights, and we have uh, wolf fights, and we have a marvelous scene of the buffalo crossing the river um, and how long you sat there on your boat just watching thousands of buffalo moving south for the winter. Now, this, uh, I guess the... Uh, the antagonist, is that the Otakte? Uh, no, Otakte no? is the Sioux warrior that uh, Margaret inadvertently kills uh, while he's trying to kill her, and then this gives her, uh, she becomes infamous, if you will, yes. for having killed such a bad uh, warrior. And then is she celebrated for that, or is there oh, a price is, on her head? Oh, no, she is definitely celebrated for that as she keeps moving west. Uh, I'm sure the uh, Lakota Sioux would have a different story had she stayed there. Uh, but um, war is war, and um, the Native Americans understand death much better than we do. This sounds like it, it took a bit of uh, research to put this together. Yes, it did. I'm a firm believer in the fact that even fiction, if you are going to tell a story where you are setting it in a real scene, you need to have done your research on the time, the place. Um, in this case, a lot of the Native American medicine that was used, um, a lot of the um, Native American prayers that were used, uh, and a whole attitude toward Mother Earth and a respect for it. Um, it. You can't just tell and use your imagination. You have to, because somebody somewhere is going to read that and say, oh, that's not right. And I want them to know ahead of time that, yes, it is right. It's been well-researched. In a case in point, I guess the really challenging part of writing this book was the Sundance. Oh, the Sundance that our culture killed and said no more because it was such a violent celebration. But when you take it apart and you look at the need for uh, sun and growth and, and change, uh, okay, there were some things that in our culture we considered a little barbaric. But there are a lot of things in our culture that are barbaric, too, and we don't need to go into that. And you also show the uh, Native American spirituality throughout the book. Native Americans are essentially a very spiritual people. They did nothing without prayer first. They did nothing without guidance from um, what each tribe may have a different name for the Great Spirit. Um, not only 
in their regular celebrations, marking seasons and seasonal changes, their entire daily life was structured around uh, prayer and the need to do things in a certain way in order to make the earth happy. Any sequels? Not to Tamas Woman right now. I did cheat, and I left a very small loophole where somewhere down the road uh, there might be, but not not this year. Uh, what I found as I was doing my research was a fascination with the Cherokee and the Indian Territory and all of this becoming the state of Oklahoma and oil being discovered. Um, so the next book is going to be The Heart of a Woman, and it will take place as Indian Territory becomes Oklahoma. It will be in the early 1900s instead of in the 1800s. The title of the book is Tama's Woman. And yes, sir. We've been listening to the author Trish Dudek. Trish, tell us how to get your book. Uh, you may order online. Uh, Amazon and uh, Barnes and Noble carries it. It's available in hardcover, softcover, and ebook. And most of your local bookstores can order it for you if you prefer to deal locally. Thank you so much, Trish, for being with us on iUniverse Radio. Thank you for having me this morning. You're listening to iUniverse Radio. We'll be back right after these messages. Okay, we will. We're going to teach you how to tell your money where to go. It's Intelligent Investing with Pam Otten on Toginet. Learn how to be a savvy investor from someone who has your best interest at heart. Pam Otten is a financial advisor who loves to help successful business owners and entrepreneurs understand the mysteries of the investment world. And she's not afraid to share that knowledge. Pam is an unashamed Christian and qualified kingdom advisor, which means she's trained and committed to integrating biblical principles into her financial advice. Pam believes investing isn't rocket science. This is the financial advisor who's in your corner and truly understands and cares about you and helping you achieve your goals. Securities and advisory services are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. It's Intelligent Investing with Pam Otten on Toginet. Connect with Juliana and connect with what lies beneath. Friday afternoons at 4, 3 central on toginet.com. Juliana is a marriage, family, and child therapist who wants people to connect. Connect with what lies beneath, those truths and answers. And through her counseling practice, she has helped others find their personal power and fulfill their dreams. And she wants to do the same for you. Here on Connect with Juliana. Through intimate discussions, intriguing subject matters, and the expertise of her guests. For more on the show and Juliana, check out her webpage. Connect with Juliana in media.com. Juliana will cover it all. Nothing is off limits. She wants to know what matters to you. Make the connection. Tune in to Toginet to connect with Juliana to find out the facts that could be hidden beneath the surface. Connect with Juliana on Toginet to make a quality connection in your life. Friday afternoons at 4, 3 central on toginet.com. Welcome back to iUniverse Radio with host Steve Jorgensen. The title of the book, Behind the Mask, Adolescence in Hiding, and the author is Dennis 
Rosema. And Dennis joins us now on iUniverse Radio. Hello, Dennis. Hello there. Great to have I, you with I us. appreciate your calling. Well, great. Uh, this is very important information. Uh, everyone, we're going to realize the importance of this book, and especially for teenagers to read as well as parents and others who uh, work with teenagers. You say this, if you're an adolescent dealing with depression, anxiety, substance abuse, or suicidal thoughts, you all know about living behind a mask. And in Behind the Mask, author Dennis Rosema helps you to let go of the mask, reveal your true self, and become the person you were born to be. And you do this, Dennis, because of uh, a lot of years of experience. Tell us about your background. Well, I spent, um, I graduated from college, and I, I went in, into, I was a phys ed major originally. Um, my purpose in going into education was kind of to give back. I, I didn't have a horrible childhood or anything, but I had my struggles. And, and the people that, the adults in my world were really helpful to me. So I kind of wanted to go into that profession. I wanted to give back. I uh, decided to get a degree in counseling so I would be better at it. And that kind of led, led into taking a counseling position which my experience was a lot of schedule changing, a lot of um, a lot of academic kinds of things, and not really the real the real meat of counseling. And had an opportunity to uh, develop my own position actually in the end, it, it, the, the the job of, of the crisis counselor in the school district I was working in. So my role was just to work with kids that were ha- were, were having particular kinds of troubles, uh, whether there was substance abuse or, or other mental health issues. And I worked entirely with, with with just those kids and didn't really have to have to deal with the, the scheduling and and course changes and teacher problems and all that kind of stuff. So um, I got an awful lot of experience at seeing what what kids were dealing with and what that kid was like that was behind the mask. Uh, you know the the, the picture the the bright cheery cheerleader uh, dating captain of the football team and and getting all A's and it just all looks so good. And so many times underneath that, uh, there's a troubling family problem or there's an eating disorder or, or she's being sexually abused possibly or, or there's, you know, there's all kinds of things going on that, that, that kids are very reluctant to show. And sometimes uh, friends don't even know. You know? So um, you know, that's one kind of mask. The, the other mask is the, you know, that, that angry, defiant kid that everybody knows you know, and always getting into trouble and always stirring things up and, but again, underneath that mask, it, it, there's really a good kid there, you know, who's who's struggled a lot, had a lot of problems, and his mask is to act out, uh, almost trying to draw 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 that attention to himself. So uh, there's a lot of kind of masks in a way, and, and and kids are very good at using those masks to to protect themselves. Um, yeah, that the cheerleader type, you know, and that's such a stereotype. I don't want to take using that, but. Um, you know, that's, uh, she, she wants people to know, but she can't tell, you know, and so what ends up happening, she's wearing that mask, but there's little cracks in that, and it comes out every now and then. Somebody sees her crying in the bathroom, or, or she may make it down to the counselor's office and start to open up and start to talk, and, and that's kind of what the book is, is encouraging people to do, that um, you know that's going on. You know, and you know you're not happy, uh, speak up. Or, you know, if you have a best friend that knows that best friend needs to speak up and, 
and, and kind of help you get get that that, uh, that 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 help you need. And parents oftentimes don't know what's going on, you know. So uh, the idea is to understand yourself better, admit it, face it, and and ask ask for some help. Most of the good books on depression and other adolescent issues are, are more cl- clinical than yours. I mean, your, yours is written from a personal point of view, right yeah. from the students themselves. Yeah, and, and if you go online or go to the library and you want to find a book on, on depression or on anxiety or on substance abuse or on any of the mental health issues, there will be a textbook type book. You know, and, and they're very good, and they, they describe those diseases, and they describe uh, what the symptoms are and, and, and what the treatment is and how to deal with them. And, and, and I'm not saying that there aren't other good books out there that, that are personal. There certainly are, but this is definitely very personal, and, and, it, and even for myself it's personal. I, mean, I, I, I did not want to write a textbook. It's like my book is like me talking to you. Now, and and I, I, I read those quotes, and then I tell you what I think of that quote and, and my experience with those kinds of kids and, and what you can do as the reader to better understand that kind of kid. And, and those kinds of kids are all around us. And a lot of parents are like, well, it's not my kid. Thank God it's not my kid. You know, um, And it may not be your kid, but it might be your kid's best friend. And that impacts them, and they have to deal with that on a day-to-day basis. And, and by you understanding better, you can be supportive of, of your child and maybe that other child's parents. And, and again, if it's, if, you know, and it's, not, it's not everybody else's kid. I mean, a lot of times it's our kid, you know, and we have to be able to you know, not hide behind a mask and acknowledge that, yeah, our family is struggling. And my kid is, I can hear him crying at night, or I can hear her crying at night, or I notice that she's starting to cut her arm, or that she's been losing a lot of weight, or, you know, and, and it's like, we need to stand up and recognize those things, and, and because they are fixable. And you don't want to get to the point where somebody actually does commit suicide, and then everybody's walking around, why? You know, why did that happen? And, and you start to find out, well, there were people that did know, and, uh, but she was my friend. I didn't want to tell on her. You know, I mean, it's uh, it's very sad when that happens. In your book, you have quotes from a student very close to you who committed suicide that left her journal to you. Yeah. Um, I had just started at a crisis counselor position, actually, and I was all excited about it. And, um, you know, it was like, I'm going to make a difference in the world, and, and this is the coolest job on earth, and I'm really going to help, and... It was like, like being the chess master, you know, and I, I can help this kid over here and go over there and manipulate this and help that kid there. And seen her a lot. She was a new student coming into the building as a senior, didn't have a lot of friends, had left a situation where she was sexually abused by a father and had an alcoholic mother, um, and again came here and didn't have a lot of friends. Uh, she did have one friend who I was familiar with, and that friend brought her to see me, and then I started seeing her a lot. Um, ended up, um, I had her hospitalized twice, actually, uh, just because of her behavior and the things she was saying and, and attempting. And um, She was in a hospital program. We were meeting with the hospital talking about possibly switching her from the day hospital to the full-time hospital again. And it was kind of in that process when, uh, when, when she, she hung herself, actually. Uh, I got a call that next morning from the sister, um, 
kind of hysterical that her her little sister was hanging in the closet. You know? And then in talking with the sister later, sister showed showed me that she had this journal, and asked said that you might want to read this. There's a lot about you in here, and then. So there would be a lot of, you know, I, I met with Dennis today, and Dennis told me this, and Dennis said that, and, or I didn't tell Dennis this, and, uh, um, and it was very it was very touching. She loved me very much, and I certainly had, I loved her too. Right? Um, and there were a lot of messages, messages in that. The one about the book, it's like, you know, it, it, if I die, give give this book to Dennis, I did her, the journal she was writing. And... Um, so that was, and I kind of hung on to that for years, and always thinking, you know, what an insight this is into the mind of somebody who's going through that, and it would make a great book someday. And I certainly never thought of myself as an author, and decided, well, you know what, it's time for this to be written. And so um, I had some other clients. I had a boy that was referred to me because of his writing. Uh, his parents found some of his writings, and it was pretty upsetting, and I started seeing him and asked if uh, I could do some of his writing in the book, and I had a couple other former clients that uh, I had worked with a lot and that trusted me enough, and, uh, and I got a bunch of their journals and kind of put it all together, and this is what, this is what came out. We, we often hear about the effect of bullies in school. Of course, we understand about substance abuse, and then there are other school shootings and other kinds of violence. Uh, this yeah. uh, there's obvi- obviously there are those who are very vulnerable. They're, they uh, those who live behind the mask uh, often aren't telling everything that's going on. No, for sure. It, you know, because it's so. It, these are young kids without a lot of life experience, and they're scared. It's uh, they don't have a lot of experience dealing with their feelings. You know, and and today's world. You mentioned about the bullying and stuff. I mean, it's a, it, it's it's. It's not all mean and terrible out there. I don't want to imply that, but, but there is a lot of toughness. I mean, um, and certain kids, for sure, just don't know how to deal with that. They don't have the experience to deal with that, and so you know, they they kind of shy away. They they don't stand up. They uh, don't take care of themselves. They kind of wear a mask. There's a lot of hurt underneath, and they just pretend like everything's okay. The bully himself is typically wearing a mask. Um, you know, and, and uh, that's a whole other big thing. But I mean, it's like it, it, that mask is on both sides of that, really. And if we could, and, and it's—I could make it sound simple. If we could just kind of get rid of all that and get down to the real issues and and deal with what's real and not what we're pretending to be, uh, we would solve a lot of problems. And, and that's what therapists are for, and that's what counselors are for. And um, and those people are out there wanting to help. And it's a matter of getting, making that connection, uh, getting that kid who's who's scared and hiding behind their mask. Again, whether they're acting out or if they're trying to be perfect or they're just trying to be ignored, you know, get that person to step forward and say, "Yes, I I will go talk to that person. Yeah, I I, I need some help." And I think parents are a very important part of that. Part one of your book, People Like Me, Who Wears the Mask? Part two, Help, Hope, and Recovery. So there is, there are some answers here. Yeah, you know, and, and that's, and there are no answers. You know, and everybody's answer is a different, everybody has a different story, and the solution to that story is different than somebody else's. So there's not like a, 
know, if you do A, B, and C, you're going to be okay. But in most situations, if if the people who care about this this person who's struggling, and they will be just they'll be present for that person. It's like they'll listen. They'll like I understand. You know, I I, I see those tears behind your eyes. I'm here for you. Uh, you know, talk to me. I care about you. Uh, that makes a makes a world of difference. And so many of those, and I, a lot of times you get, oh no, 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 I'm fine. Just leave me alone. The, 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 the boys especially, you know. But I mean, it's like if if you're persistent and if you're honest about it, if you're just like pretending to help and trying to, you know, I'm going to act like a nice guy so I can put it on my college application, and you know, it's, that's not real. But if you really do care. And parents certainly care, you know, and to watch for those kinds of signs and, and speak up to your kids and say, you know, I've noticed things have changed and it worries me. And then uh, how do you feel about the fact that um, you've lost these 10 pounds? You know, does that, is, is that, do you see that as a good thing or a bad thing? Or I, I notice you're not sleeping at night and, you know, and I really love you and I care about you and I'd like to know what's going on. Um, and you have to say that kind of over and over again sometimes. But if you if you're persistent about that and you're not too pushy about it, um, they know you care. And when the time is right, they're going to turn to you. You know, um, something. There's usually an event that kind of like doesn't push you over the edge, but it, it makes you realize. You know what? I need I need to talk to somebody. I, I spent all those years as a crisis counselor in a school, and, and my job was to be in my office and be available. And I was always, like, so cognizant of the fact that if somebody walks in this door and comes in and sits down that I don't know and wants to talk to me, that's a huge step. That is very difficult for that person. In this high school of, you know, 1,500 kids, and they by themselves are walking down into that office, and, and, and it's the crisis counselor's office, you know. Well, you better pay attention to that. You know, and, and sometimes it would be, you know, my girlfriend broke up with me and I'm all upset. You know, well, that's a big thing to him at that time. You know, another time it's, um, I just got this text message from my girlfriend and she says she's going to kill herself and I don't know what to do. And that, and then, you know, all of a sudden it's a big thing, you know. Um, so, it, uh, but if you're there and if you're present and if, if they know you care, they will come to you. You know, and, and so it's, it's being that person, being the parent, being the friend, being the counselor, being the teacher, being the, the social worker, the, you know, all these different occupations that are, that are out there to help kids. It's like be there for them and really listen. You know, don't just focus on just the math, but focus on, on the person, too. Got to be part I, of, I, of building I, I, that I, trust I, again. Sorry. <laughs> you have to be part of building that trust level again. Yes, and trust is so important. I mean, without it, it's not going to happen. If um, I, I knew a counselor once who um, was a, she, a regular counselor, and she had this really firm rule that if I hear the word suicide, I'm going to call your parents. And, and on the surface, that's something maybe that's, that's the right thing to do. But I heard the word suicide, so I'm going to call your parents? No. It's like, that doesn't mean you're suicidal. You know, I mean, somebody's saying... You know, yeah, I think about it sometimes. I, I, I don't know what I would do. I don't know how to do it. I don't know. You know, if you just turn on them and say, okay, well, we're going to call your mother and you're going to go to the doctor, and it's like boom, 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 boom. 
It's like nobody ever really listened to them, you know. Uh, you can ask a couple of questions, kind of verify that, no, they're not suicidal, but there's something really serious going on here. Mm-hmm. And, what, and what's behind that, you know, what makes you feel that way? Uh, what's been going on at home? What's been going on with your friends, you know? Um, and once they get a chance to talk about that, that that relieves the, the, the that suicidal feeling. Now, you're talking to somebody who's suicidal, and they are suicidal, and and they, yeah, I, you know, I, I've got a gun at home underneath my pillow in right. my room, and I've been thinking a lot about using it, you know. And well, when would you use it? When do you think you do it? Well, Sunday night. My parents are big lot every Sunday night, and I, you know, probably Sunday night would be a good night. All right, you know, then you're calling the parents, you're calling maybe right. the police or an ambulance or doing whatever you need to do. That kid needs to be protected, right. and and they and they trust you for that too. That if it's if 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 I'm gonna really try and kill myself, and I'm telling you that, I'm trusting that you're gonna stop me. Right. Yeah. They're I'm they're, they're crying out for help. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Dennis, and, and a lot of people put I'm crying out for help and say, oh, don't worry about it. They're just crying for help. Right. Well. They may cry for help loud enough that they actually do something to themselves. We've been listening to Dennis Rosema. He is the author of his book, Behind the Mask, Adolescence in Hiding. Dennis, tell us how to get your book. Uh, It's published by iUniverse. If you go on their website um, and just uh, in the search thing, you either put in uh, Behind the Mask, Adolescence in Hiding, or you can put the author's name and put Dennis Rosema in there. And the book will come up. Uh, Amazon.com, same thing. It carries it. Uh, Barnes and Noble doesn't have it in the stores, but they have it on, on, on their websites also. Uh, you can, if you would like an autographed copy, like, like of a hardbound book, um, they can send me an email, and we can connect and, and get the information from them. And I'd, I'd be glad to send it, send, send out an, an autographed copy too. Thank you, Dennis, for being with us on iUniverse Radio. Okay, I appreciate it very much. Thank you iUniverse Radio is brought to you by iUniverse, the leading book marketing, editorial services, and supported self-publishing company. iUniverse Radio is produced by TogiNet Radio. Radio with a cutting edge.